0: Hello and welcome to Legal Cut Pro, the Canadian Entertainment Law Podcast. My name is Michelle Molyneux.
1: And I am Greg Pang.
0: Today's podcast is a two way interview with Becky Shrimpton of the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast.
1: Otherwise known as the RCM Pod, which is a fantastic name.
0: So awesome. Um it's oh no, I guess we should do our shout out, right? First.
1: That's right. This podcast is brought to you by the Alberta Media Production Industry Association, otherwise known as Ampia, and its professional development team. Special thanks to Jane Toogood, our audio editor. You can find her at on Instagram at JJ underscore too good. This episode is Also brought to you in part by the Canadian Film Centre, the CFC in Toronto, which is a leading not-for-profit cultural organisation for the development and advancement of Canadian creative and entrepreneurial talent in screen-based industries. Visit cfccreates.com for more information. That's cfccreates.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Greg. So now we can talk about the episode. Um, It was so much fun to record I'm really excited for everybody to take a listen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Becky is so good at what she does, uh, podcasting. She does a lot of things, but at podcasting in particular, and I had a little bit of a hard time keeping up for her because she's so, she's, she's so fast, she's, she's so articulate, and uh, just a, a very good at the, the whole interview. I suppose if you're releasing an interview a week, you know, an episode a week for her podcast, you tend to get really good at it.
0: She's incredible. I'm in awe. That's all I have to say.
1: <laughs> and I have to say that I was. It felt like my brain was felt like molasses compared to how fast she was thinking, and I I, I was just struggling to keep up with her. So hopefully, listeners, you will be a little bit forgiving about my my slowness <laughs> compared to how polished <laughs> how polished Becky is. So uh, hope you all enjoy.
2: So, hey, welcome RCM Pod listeners as well as Legal Cut Pro listeners. Uh, very exciting little crossover episode here. So, both listener bases can kind of get an idea of what we do. We are excellent companion podcasts as well as companion friends. I'm Becky Shrimpton. I'm coming from Toronto. Who else is here?
1: Well, this is Greg Pang t- coming from Edmonton,
2: and Michelle Molyneux, also in Edmonton fantastic we love our wintry blustery friends uh, Cameron Maitland for those of you who do not know is also my regular co-host on the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast uh, he is unavailable right now because he also does very fancy things for the Hollywood Suite channel and network and uh, he is currently at the Indie Spirit Awards doing red carpet interviews over there asking people fancy questions Ooh. so I know it's awesome so if you want to get uh, real, a good idea of kind of what he does you can go check him out on Hollywood Suite I always plug it because he asks like these fantastic questions of like the deep. Cut directors and they're always just so delighted. So I always got to plug his stuff. It's great. Ooh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but let's let's start with you guys. So tell uh, tell my listeners a little bit about what Legal Cut Pro is and what you guys do.
1: Legal Cut Pro is a Canadian entertainment law podcast. So we concentrate what that means is that we I suppose we pick topics and certain legal issues that could be relevant and interesting for Canadian independent filmmakers, and not just Canadian independent filmmakers, but uh, perhaps other independent filmmakers. But of course, our since we are lawyers in Canada, our, most of the limit of our legal knowledge and expertise is contained to Canadian law. But in the end, it is something where we hope we want to bring value to the film community and educate them a little bit about the legal issues that you could possibly encounter while making a film.
2: Now, on your guys' show, you guys usually pick, like, a case study of the week, and you're not giving legal advice, but you are saying, hey, this is something around this situation you might want to be aware of. Uh, some of the examples you used are American, some are Canadian. What's sort of the difference between the two, and what are Canadian listeners going to get out of it? Big questions, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So let me break that down a little bit, Becky. So the first one is uh, about the, the case studies that you mentioned. And sometimes we pick American, sometimes we pick Canadian. What are some of the differences between the two and, and how, why we pick those, right?
2: That's right. Yep. Yeah. Bring it on.
1: Okay. All right. The How we choose the topics, and we, this is something that we plan, uh, of course, ahead of time, is uh, we, we try to find a topic and not necessarily. Necessarily a a court decision, but uh, a general topic such as music, which we did three parts on, or uh, like some kind of a- other area of copyright, and we delve into it a little bit and we do our own research and pick out certain examples and sometimes court decisions. I don't think we do much with court decisions, but we use it sometimes as examples and we pull out the legal issues that could be interesting for our listeners and take a little bit of a, not, not too deep of a legal analysis, but a little bit of a legal analysis into them and to demonstrate what maybe some of the pitfalls and one of the th- some of the things that you want to maybe look out for as you are going through the, the production process or uh, something uh, related to film production. As to the second part of your question about the differences between Canadian and American uh, case studies or examples, there are Differences in the law, like our law with copyright is there are differences, although they are similar to the American copyright law. And, and we will point that out. And the examples that we pick because we pick American, some American examples is because there are just more examples out there coming from the United States. <laughs> like, you know, more there's more litigation out there. There's uh, more film activity generally out there that it makes the new news and, and could um, provide some illustration, at the very least, that would illustrate the the topic at hand that we're talking about.
2: Now, Michelle, how do you interact with Greg on the show? You guys co-host this. Yeah, I would say Greg
0: has been an amazing mentor to me. So I'm learning a lot as we go. And um, I've been learning from my background as a lawyer, so I'm I'm still a bit of a baby lawyer. So I learn a lot from Greg and then I'm also a producer. So sometimes there are things that kind of, I'm also learning as a, a film producer that um, allow me to really kind of dig in and learn a lot more about different subject areas.
2: Now, why would those subject areas matter to people who are like, I just wanna get some friends together and make a movie. We're gonna make a million dollars by getting into Sundance the first year. Like why, uh, why would they wanna to listen to your podcast? Why is your information important for people? <laughs> Greg, did you want to take this one?
1: Sure, I'll take it, and I'll take it as <laughs> a as sort of a tie into our next episode that we'll be recording right away about drone law, and because the use of drones is so prevalent nowadays that a lot of filmmakers w- will be using drones to catch to capture that kind of aerial footage, and one of the illustrations that or examples that we are going to talk about, uh, which has gotten some media attention, is about that drone pilot who flew his drone to him right uh, Michelle yes. The, the, the pilot yes mm-hmm. he flew his drone over the crowd during the Raptors big uh, NBA um, win the the championship win at, at where was it again it was at uh, Nathan Phillips Square
0: yes yeah.
1: and he did it contrary to transports Can- transport Canada's regulations so this is important because if you are going to engage in certain activity for your film to get footage for your film and if something like that includes like flying a drone you need to be aware of the regulations out there as set by transport canada so you don't incur liability and you know pay money and potentially uh, be exposed to other types of liability and fines and et cetera, et cetera by engaging in those kinds of activities so it's To help you, if not to lawyer yourself, of course, it's to at least inform you of this issue and know when to seek legal advice before you get into trouble.
2: And uh, something else that's very interesting for me, too, as I'm developing my own projects, is understanding the concept of fair use, which we also have this understanding of what American fair use is, because they had the Larry Flint trial and all that, of like, yeah, we can make fun of Jerry Falwell all we like. Canada didn't have that trial. And so our fair use laws are different from what I understand from what the Americans have. So often Canadians will make assumptions of like, oh, yeah, we can do this because the Americans can do this. But uh, that is not always the case.
1: Yeah, And that is quite correct. And I uh, I get that question quite often about fair use. You know, what are the differences between fair use? And and in Canada, we call it fair dealing, but it's the analogous concept. And one of the biggest differences uh, that uh, we have is that fair dealing in Canada is not as has not been as litigated as in there hasn't been as many court decisions to help us interpret what these provisions of fair dealing mean as opposed to in the US they have a much larger history for example when you're talking about fair use in the realm of parity we have a, that similar defense under fair dealing of parity but it's not very well litigated there is some case law but we don't have as much guidance right so where in some areas of fair use an american lawyer might be more confident in stating his or her opinion that yes we can not slot this necessarily slot this under fair use but we're confident that this is outright or this is very defensible under fair use and therefore we think that the although it may attract a claim that their claim would have absolutely no merit and we can sign on off on this uh, because it's you know because it's fair use of that content, whereas in Canada it might not be something that we can as easily as lawyers rely on because we don't have that kind of case law history uh, around certain subject areas uh, under fair dealing.
2: Well Michelle, let me ask you this as a producer, what sort of pitfalls have you personally been able to avoid uh, and manage having at least a cursory knowledge of of the law?
0: I think it's been really helpful. Um, It just, I read contracts a little bit more thoroughly or paying attention to them a little bit more. And I think there are definitely things kind of I can catch that could have become a problem. But then thankfully, I've been able to flag them and realize, okay, maybe, maybe I should seek some advice from Greg on this before I continue.
2: Can you legally like give an example without using names of like, hey, this is something that's common in contracts that someone might think, oh, this is going to this is totally fine. And it's like, no, you're actually signing your rights away. Um,
0: One example actually is uh, we had um, a series this summer on music licensing. And that was one that was really interesting is like using a lot of different sources of footage and realizing that a lot of the standard licenses that websites offer maybe don't actually cover everything that you actually need them to cover. So kind of really looking into what what actually are you licensing and is everything covered that you need.
2: Something I really love about your guys' show as well is you've got a great back and forth and a great rapport, but you tend to take a humorous view. I mean, you're talking about very serious subjects, but you take a humorous view of like, hey, so this guy did this, wasn't the brightest but let's explain why perhaps it wasn't the <laughs> brightest um i really appreciate that you guys take like a funny view as opposed to like this is bad don't do this um w- how did you kind of develop that back and forth rapport and uh and why did you decide to take that approach as opposed to the straight dry narrative
1: Wait, want me to start this one off michelle <laughs> sure I was gonna well, say,
2: if we made the
1: wall
0: boring, <laughs> no one would listen. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. That's part of it.
1: <laughs> well Becky, me and Michelle don't know each other too well. <laughs> we uh, I think we when we first started this or at least when we first started this podcast we didn't know each other too well. So that kind of back and forth report was uh, all, was a work in progress for a long time, right Michelle. Really? And you know, like as we got to know each other better, Uh, because we come from fairly different backgrounds even though we we are both uh, lawyers but but our backgrounds and experiences uh, are very different but I found Michelle and I still find Michelle of course very easy to work with and that that rapport developed quite organically and I I got to know Michelle's sense of humor and uh, her, her tolerance for in my particular brand of humor then I, I knew at least it it got more comfortable for me to uh, be able to navigate these kinds of topics with her and to produce content for users that are not uh, you know in, in when we're talking about law it could be very dry right so it's it's not very dry and it's entertaining hopefully entertaining at the same time and if even if people find it funny then that's great.
2: Well, I think we all love a good story about someone who's made a terrible mistake and how we can avoid that ourselves, especially as filmmakers, producers, actors, even as they're looking at contracts and, and working with uh, with different people, uh, non-union, union, understanding all of the rules and regulations. Very important. So I really love your guys' podcast. How do people find you guys? I'll take this one.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Instagram. We're at Legal Cut Pro. And I believe we're on all of the regular streaming podcast places. <laughs> I don't, don't know the fancy words for that, Greg.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Google uh, Google Play, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, those places. Stitcher as well, I think. So, yeah, uh, that, that I think that sums up. Where to find us, right?
2: Yeah. Greg. Greg takes care of our tech stuff.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> you
2: show up, you you respond, you're doing
1: the the good work, Michelle.
2: We appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Well, let's turn to tables a little bit, Becky. Let's talk uh, tell us a, a more about the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. All right. I know when we in- initially or, uh, found you I thought it was the most interesting name first, you know, RCMP being the, the acronym for Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes before, and I think the first one uh, when I found about you guys was, oh, why do I not remember her name? But Was it Sandy uh, Summers? She, Sandy Summers, yes. right. Yeah, because she worked on a show that, that I worked on as well. And I thought, I have to listen to this. Yeah, And you're a fantastic interviewer, and I, and I love the content that you produce, and I've listened to other episodes since. So tell us a little bit more about the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast, please.
2: Well, thank you very much for that introduction, Greg. Uh, so the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast, or RCM Pod, as we call it, um, we are basically dedicated to creating a primer of the best of the best of Canadian film. So we're there to tell you about the best films and the stories about those films. So every week, we invite industry guests on to either pick their favorite Canadian film or or something that really inspired them, or they can pick something that they were a part of that was a major part of film history. So, for example, Jane Eastwood came on and she talked about going down the road. Uh, Don Carmody, who is an Emmy-winning producer, he talked about two films. He talked about one called Coming Home as well as uh, Polytechnique, which is one of Denis Villeneuve's first films. Both of those are incredible, but that man has been doing stuff since the early 70s in the days of, like, Cinepix. He's worked with David, C- David Cronenberg on all of his early stuff. He did the Squid on uh, Rabid, so he's got great stories about squibbing up Marilyn Chambers. Um, He came on and talked about those things. Uh, We have uh, Kevin Sullivan talking about uh, Anna Green Gables and his work. Um, So really it is a little bit about what is Canadian film, what's the good stuff, and how do you you find it? Because we're so inundated by American content, and often, I don't know about you guys, but I think we're traumatized by Canadian film in school because they make us watch... A lot of the stuff that is straight up bad. It's terrible. And when you think of Canadian film, you're like, oh, you know, it's Joshua Jackson riding his motorcycle across ac- Canada in one week. That film blows. It's uh, it's Paul Gross talking about, um, you know, the curling team and they're going to do a whole thing. And Men with Brooms has its moments, definitely, but not a great film. Canada has some <laughs> unbelievable stuff. It's weird and it's fun and it's harrowing and it's like nobody else is making. And it gets buried and some of it is accessible because the Americans pick it up or the Europeans pick it up and they hold it up as like this big bastion of like look this is the best thing this year and then we acknowledge it but there's so much stuff that we just don't and so we've been doing this since 2016 and I'm still finding these little treasures of like oh that's here oh this was a thing that was uh one of the best movies I saw this year and it's Canadian um and people don't often want to do the work we want to turn on netflix we want to watch that one film that pops up it's in our algorithms we don't search so we're doing the searching for you we tell you how to find them we tell you how to rent them you t- we tell you what they are if you like blank you're gonna love this so that's kind of what we're doing is we're doing the work for you go watch some canadian film you lazy bums
1: <laughs> <laughs> love it love <laughs> how do you find your guests uh, becky
2: uh Honestly, both Cam and I work in the film and television industry. So I said earlier, Cam uh, works as a film and content specialist at Hollywood Suite. He is also one of the nicest, most social men you will meet in your life. So he knows a lot of um, Canadian, in specifically Toronto. Both he and I are originally from Edmonton. We lived in Vancouver for a significant amount of time and now we're here. Um, I'm an actor, specifically in voice, but I've done theatre, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so we have good industry connections, little feelers. Um, so so, we started out just having a bunch of our really interesting, weird friends on, uh, art and set decorators. We had one of the set decorators from Nurse 3D on, and she had some amazing behind the scenes for that movie. Um, that movie, totally worth your time. It's great. <laughs> I know, it's like Nurse 3D, what? Yeah, worth your time. And the set decorator had great stories from it. Um, Paz de la Huerta, Killer Nurse, it's bizarre and fun. Uh, there's one of the little treasures you're going to find. Um, but uh, yeah, so so that sort of happened. And then we started getting noticed by people who were like, hey, you're talking about Canadian movies. Oh, we have this thing. Have you talked to this person yet? Have you talked to this person yet? And then the ball just started to roll because nobody else is doing this. No one's talking to these people. No one's getting these stories. And a lot of our... Um, like, our first generation of, like, like Canadian film really, really started in the 70s. And a lot of these people are not going to be around much longer, to be totally honest. And these stories are not recorded anywhere else. So that's been a big push that we've had this year to get people like Jane Eastwood, to get people like Gordon Pinsett on, to talk about these things, which are very much a part of our history and our heritage. And they're great freaking stories. These people are hilarious and a lot of fun.
0: Hmm. That's awesome. Becky, I have to ask, how did you guys come up with the podcast name? It's so awesome.
2: <laughs> that was Cam. Cam is uh, not as much of a punster as I am, but uh, he was like, oh yeah, we just call it the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast, RCM Pod. Like it was literally that simple. I was like, yes that's what we call it (laughs) that was was about it so yeah he's he's very clever because it's one of those like there is another Canadian film podcast Um, they they actually are just called the Canadian film podcast and they deal a little more with like this is a film festival that's happening that's doing this thing Uh, there's another podcast about Canadian film called filmed in Canada which doesn't have the strict specifications we have it's just is a film that is made in Canada or filmed in Canada we go by the Canadian screen awards uh, ruling of what a Canadian film is so they need Need to have at least partial funding of Canadian film um, and be eligible for the Canadian Screen Awards. And then you can come be on our show with that.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Becky, when I hear you talk, and I hear you talk on the podcast, I hear you talk now about Canadian film, it's very obvious how passionate you are about the Canadian film industry and the, the guests you have on your show. Uh, m- my question is, where, where does the... Uh, and you you, you gave, me, uh, gave us some... Reasoning about why you're doing the podcast, but I'm wondering where does the the passion for the Canadian fi- Canadian films in particular come from?
2: Uh, Okay. So righteous indignation is actually the answer for that. Um, So I'll be honest. I was training in England and I was training with um, a number of Americans from very high-end institutions. I'm not going to name any names because I'm not that kind of person. And uh, we were training with one particular teacher from a very high-end institution in the States. And uh, we, myself and one other Canadian who are part of the program said, oh yeah, we're from Canada and this is what we want to do. And she was like, well, Canada doesn't do arts. You're gonna have to move to the States and you're gonna have to do this. And we got so angry and we were trying to like rack our brains of like, well, Canada's got good stuff. What do we got? And we couldn't think of anything. And that broke my heart because I was like, I know we have good stuff, where is it? And why don't I know about it? I'm in the fricking arts. If anyone should know about this, I should. And that's what, when Cam and I decided we wanted to do a podcast together, cause we're good buddies. Um, We were like, well, why don't we do this? Because literally no one else is doing this, and that's a travesty. And like I said earlier, we are so under attack, straight up attack. By American media um, influencing us. And there's so much good stuff and so many careers, and we have such a massive artistic brain drain. It's heartbreaking how many mm-hmm. artists we're losing in every medium. I mean, podcasting, they just picked up Connie Walker for Gimlet. Um, you know, we lost Jonathan Goldstein to Gimlet as well. So these incredible Canadian artists we're losing because we don't have the funding, we don't have the audiences, we don't have that network of like, we make good stuff, let's talk about it. So that's really where that came from.
0: Oh, I was just going to say that's
2: amazing. That's so inspiring. Yeah, yeah, just find shit. Like that's, I'm sorry, I swear. Like that's that's the thing. It's there. You just have to do the work and now we're doing the work for you.
1: And I find that really uh, inspiring as well, Becky, because I remember way back and I'm, I'm taking myself way back to when I was an undergrad and we had a business, uh, a business of film course or something like that. And there's an economic argument for funding Canadian film. And a lot of my fellow business students, not, not to disparage business students, but a lot of my fellow students said that, why are we funding Canadian film? No one watches them. And that's the that's one of the common arguments. Like, why are you even trying? No one watches them. And he says, like, especially in this kind of day and age where you can turn on something like Netflix and access a massive library of American content or and, and other content around the world, right at your fingertips, without you know having having to even try, right? Because their algorithm just tells you what you want. You, you should watch. And the, the economic argument is that there are Canadian stories that that should be told, and we should be. It, it's part of our cultural fabric that we should engage in telling these stories unfortunately the fr- the free market doesn't allow for it. There, there are more lucrative places to place your money especially if you're talking about entertainment you know the, your money goes more towards the the american film and there we bring back to bring us back to okay why are we funding canadian films and i find that your, your passion for you know Canadian films, Canadian television, it's just, it's really uplifting because there's, it shows that there are people out there in the thick of all, all the, uh, using your words, that we're under attack by, constantly by Canadian, uh, American media, that we are still getting those stories out and there's still still people out there who care a lot about it and hopefully the powers that be, you know, at the government level and, and other levels that continue to fund Canadian film and people who put together content like yourself about Canadian film.
2: Yeah. Well, let me tell you about, number one, screw the free market, because that's not what it's about. That's never what art has been about. It's what people and producers want to make it about. But that's not what it is. Um, Sorry, this is like my big point of like passion. Um, (laughs) What it is about is innovative new ways of telling stories that matter and that are important. Uh, I just had the great fortune of going and experiencing the National Film Board's new VR project, Book of Distance, by Randall Akita. I cried in the VR helmet like I I can only begin to explain I needed like 20 I was doing a a interview thing with them and I needed 25 minutes after I had experienced it just to calm down and chill. Um, I'd never done VR before, but like from my understanding it was like oh yeah, I'm gonna like be underwater and it's gonna be magic. What Randall has decided to do with this technology with the help of the funded National Film Board, he was able to take four years to develop this project. He's telling his grandfather's story through virtual reality where his grandfather was an immigrant from Japan, built this incredible farm uh, in BC and four years later was rounded up and put in a concentration camp during World War II. And lost absolutely everything and then had to build everything up again and you follow his grandfather as an immigrant you actually like hand your passport over you have to enter Canada and do all that Um, you see I don't want to give too much away because it's an incredible experience and it's going to be available on Steam for people who have access to that technology it it was just like a transformative way that I've never seen stories told before. And because of that investment in four years of funding, this man could make something that was so stunning. And his team could make something that was stunning and empathetic and a way of storytelling I've never seen before that is going to influence so many other ways. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, 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 I like the comment there. Screw the uh, screw the free market, Yeah, right? I, I have no patience <laughs> yeah. for it when
2: it comes to the arts. There are certain <laughs> films, you know, when you're making... Certain kinds of films like Marvel, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you do have to take in like the broadest scope of people are going to enjoy this. That's not what all of film is for. Film is not disposable, nor should it be disposable. The arts are not disposable and they're becoming so and that's concerning. So how do you fix that? You make sure you you have that continuous investment um, of time, of effort, of marketing, of money in voices which are not of the norm and are not local or not uh, group sourced or crowd sourced.
0: Absolutely That's great. awesome. <laughs> Love that. And so, Becky, how often do you guys release episodes? Uh, we are weekly.
2: Uh, every now and then, my brain needs a break, or we take out the, we take the holidays off. But uh, I think we've maybe in three years missed three weeks. Maybe once was a bad oyster insti- incident, but in general, um both Cam and I are incredibly busy. So we actually, um, we back record a whole bunch of episodes. So sometimes it'll be like, we're talking about it's winter and now it's like March. Um So that will happen sometimes, but on a large and general scale, it's
1: every week. Can you tell us about the oyster incidents? Oh,
2: no, no, no. I just had a bad oyster and so we couldn't record the podcast so we couldn't get <laughs> it out. It was, it was chaotic and my friend is directly responsible, So, <laughs> but I'm not going to name names. It's fine.
1: So, uh, so, as in you ate a bad oyster?
2: And was very ill. That is correct. Oh, okay. Oh. So, so, it was, so, it was impossible to uh, to record, unfortunately, that's like the one time I was like, pull in the chute, guys, pull in the chute. So, yeah, that's like one of the times we missed recording an episode was because of an oyster.
1: Okay, perfect. <laughs> I just need to clarify there, because I didn't know if uh, bad oyster incidents was a code for some other kind of, kind of uh, thing, but but okay, it was just you ate an oyster that had gone bad. That perfect. is
2: correct, yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, Becky, where can people find the RCM Pod?
2: All right, you're going to find us, as per usual, on all of the regular streaming sources. iTunes is the big one for us. We're just about to make the leap to Spotify as soon as I figure out how to, like, get all the licensing stuff in order. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all happening there. You can check us out on Twitter for when our new episodes are coming out. Uh, we, Our guests have so much variety in them, so one week we'll be talking about, like, a Cinepix maple syrup porn, and the next thing we're talking about is, like, an Academy <laughs> Award nominated film with the actual person who is no, who created it, who's nominated. I get to do that later today. You're going to be able to hear that episode very soon. Um, so, like, there really is, like, a big difference in the content that we're producing. It's all Canadian film, but some episodes are not going to be for everybody, right? Like Nurse 3D. Not everybody's going to be interested in that. But you may be interested in listening to Alanis Aboms, or Alanisa uh talking about her work as, like, one of the most legendary documentarians uh, in Canadian history. So you are going to get a little bit of everything. So that's there too
1: that's perfect becky thank you very much I, I know when we connected first it was a cold call and uh we very much appreciate that what we, you were you're doing this with us this joint interview and the more we can reach listeners mm-hmm. and re- across promote our our podcast and uh the more more hopefully that uh you know that this will we will um Keep, uh, being, keep being keeping Canadian film relevant to, to a, a broad audience.
2: Exactly. Thank you so much Greg and Michelle and if I can just quickly shout out if people want to know a little bit more about the state of Canadian film and what's happening there's a fantastic documentary coming out uh, I believe in the next month called Mayor of Comedy about what has happened to Canadian um, comedians and why so many of them do a mass exodus. It's got some of your favorite comedians in it. Scott Thompson is in it. Like oh, I think most of the kids in the hall are in it. Um, if they're a famous oh. Canadian comedian they're in and they're talking about why they haven't been able to work in Canada it is so worth your time and uh, yeah Sandra Bagletelli, I believe her name is uh, she's a stand-up comedian as well and she's really an, a remarkable advocate for Canadian comedy um, in Ottawa she's really pushing for them to, to put protections there so Mayor of Comedy can't recommend it enough Ooh, we'll check it, we'll it out have to check that out yeah beautiful well yeah. Thank, thank you guys this was such a pleasure I'm excited for both of our listeners to learn something new
1: Thank you as well, Becky. Take this care. This is
0: awesome. Thank you. Legal Cut Pro has been produced by Greg Peng and Michelle Molyneux.
1: Excerpts of Just Say Go, Dr. Octave, Mendicity, Mix, courtesy of Dr. Octave and Michelle Molyneux.
0: This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated on it is to be construed as legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts of Legal Cut Pro and any guests are their own and do not represent the opinions of any organization or other person unless otherwise stated.
1: Intro sound clip film projector countdown has been truncated from its original form and is copyright 2013 Ivan Gabovich used under Creative Commons BY-3 license. Outro sound clip film projector reel runs out by Stefan021 is used under Creative Commons CC01.0 license.
0: This podcast is copyright of Red Frame Law and is licensed to you under Creative Commons attribution non-commercial CCBYNC 4.0 license. For details of that license, visit creativecommons.org.